0: I want to read our text to us uh, this morning from Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1. It's on page 718, if you're using one of our Bibles, 718, Luke chapter 5. And then uh, then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump in. So the word of the Lord from Luke 5. It says, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. When Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats on shore. They left everything and followed him. And so let's pray. God, I ask that as we just come to, to you and to your word this morning, that you would open our hearts. Um, Father, all the, the places that, man, would keep us from receiving your word, from places of, of, um, of fear being in this place, um, places of, of shame for, for places that we stumbled this past week, um, for just being distracted, for, for things going on with our families or at, at work, God, for, for personal things that we're going through, God, would you just allow um, all of these things, God, to, to not be hindrances to us hearing your word, but I pray that your word would help us know how to go back into those situations. And so God, I'm just asking that you would speak to us this morning, uh, that, that you would help us to open our ears and our hearts to you and to receive from you the things that you have for us. And so God, we just invite you, we, we invite the spirit of the living God to just move among us. Um, God, would you open our ears to hear from you? In your name we pray, amen. In uh, 2017, I got um, to go visit one of our church planning partners in India and his name's P.S. Day. He's a native Indian, and uh, we got connected with P.S. and um, you know 2012, I think. And so 2017, I got to go visit, and it was so cool. You know, the the, the second day we were in Kolkata, India. Um, we, were, we were driving in this car in this really busy city, and, and, he, and he takes us into the poorest part of India, literally, the, the slums. I mean, it's, it's the place, if you've ever been to the slums, in a third world country. I mean, it's so sad that, that there's no bathrooms there. There's, there's literally just kind of one water well for this whole community, hundreds of people. I mean, it's just so sad. So much alcoholism and abuse, and it's just unbelievably sad. The kids are just going wild. No education. Parents are checking out. They're alcoholics, and And it's just this really sad reality. And so Pius takes us down to the slums. He just wants us to see it and to meet some of the people. And so, you know, while we were were driving in the slums, we just start to ask Pius about his story. You know, Pius was in his late 40s, early 50s at the time, and he starts to just tell us about kind of his journey, how he got to where he is. And so, you know, he's a second generation Christian, which is not normal in lots of places in India. India is primarily Hindu, right? So Hindu is believing literally like thousands and thousands and thousands of God. It's so complicated. And and the and so majority of people are there are, are Hindus. But, but Pius' dad became a follower of Jesus, raises his son to be a follower of Jesus. And so Pius um, followed Jesus and he's an incredible minority um, in his faith in the city. And, and he starts to tell us about his work. And so he was working for Compassion International. Any of you guys ever heard of Compassion International? A few of you, it's this amazing organization. Basically what they do is that, is that they find kids all over the world that, are, that their families just can't afford to, to pay for them to get educated, to get food. And so a lot of these kids are not orphans. They're just children that are in homes and their parents can't afford. And, and so Courtney and I actually sponsor a kid through Compassion in Uganda. It's really cool. And, um, but, and so he was working for Compassion, working to help get these kids taken care of in India. And he just felt the call of God on his life. Hey, I have something more for you than a, a job at Compassion. You know, and most of us, we go, man, is there a better, like a, a more unique, amazing calling than to work for an organization that's taking care of kids, hungry kids, impoverished kids all over the world? And yet he felt just a stir of God on his life. So we felt God was calling him, hey, I, I want you to, to plant churches and to reach lost people in Kolkata. And I don't just want you to to plant churches. I want you to to take care of these kids, all these kids that you see in the slums. I want you to do something about it. And so Pius is really wrestling with God. And he feels God asking him to, to leave his comfortable job with retirement and good salary and steady to embark on this adventure that there were so many unknowns. And so here we are in 2017, his ministry has been going six or seven years and he starts to tell us about the six or seven churches that have been planted and not just the six or seven churches that have been planted. He starts to tell us about the kids that are being taken care of. And so we throw up that first picture. Um, this, is, this is Pius in the back in the green. And, and these are girls that live in the, the, the slums, the rough part. And, and Pius um, built um, these, what he calls dream homes. And what they are is that they are safe homes for girls and boys that grew up in the slums that have been hurt, that have been abused, taken advantage of. And so literally they, they get to come and live in these, these homes. And so here we are, we're talking to Pius, looking at these girls who have been rescued. And so he starts to tell us about, you know, the dream homes. He starts to tell us about that, that six, over 600 kids receive two meals a day. Kids that live in the slums whose parents don't have money, who literally get food out of the trash. And he starts to tell us about how how they're feeding 600 kids every day. It's not just that, go to the next picture, that that all of these people are coming to know Jesus. And so this guy, he was a Hindu man, and he hears a message about Jesus through Pius, and he's giving his life to Jesus in baptism. And we see baptism, and we're like, oh man, that's amazing. What a huge celebration, declaration. But in India, man, when you give your life to Jesus in baptism, it's a huge deal. It's literally cutting ties with your family if they're not Christian. This guy gives his life to Jesus. Go to the next picture. It's not just him. It's his wife who gives her her life to Jesus. And so Pius starts to tell us, you can take that picture down, thanks Nick, he starts to tell us about all these people, hundreds of kids and hundreds of believers, literally in villages, two hours, all outside of Kolkata, India. These people who were living in darkness in Hinduism, who come to know Jesus, who, who, who understand that Jesus is not just a philosophy or a nice person, but, but there's something so real and so beautiful, so compelling about Jesus that they would literally step out of what is comfortable and unknown where they would be cut off from their families because they were being drawn to this living Lord. Lord Jesus, who, who, though you can't see him, he's very much alive. And so Pia starts to tell us about the hundreds of people who are followers of Jesus, the hundreds of kids that are being fed. And I just had one of these moments where I realized, man, the power, the possibility, the potential of of things happening when one person is willing just to do the thing God's asking them to do. How, How literally God will often, he will just work through the willingness, the open heart of just one person to open up immense blessing to a community of people. You know, last week, if you were with us, we've been talking about community. And so we talked about how every single person who is a follower of Jesus, filled with the spirit of the living God, has a part to play in the body of Christ. That that when you show up, there's something that God has given you uniquely. That when you bring it to the body, the body reflects Jesus in a different way than when you don't show up. We talked about how you are important, how you matter, how you bring something to the family, to the body, to the church. And it's not that you just bring something, man, that there's a purpose behind community. In Ephesians chapter four, Paul goes and he talks about how the purpose of of a community, the purpose of, of a church is that we would mature into the fullness of Jesus that in every way we would look like Christ. And he talks about how, how we can't actually mature and become like Jesus. And that goes very much against the, the American way of life of the pioneer, independent, I don't need anybody's spirit. But what you discover in the body of Christ is that you can't actually mature and be who God made you to be by yourself. That, that God has made us to be dependent. Like I need Caroline and I need Adam and I need Grace Grayson and I need Hunter and I need Jake that we need each other, that that when we are leaning on each other, we actually look more like Jesus. We're being what he desired for us to be. And today, continuing, I want to talk about community. And what I want to specifically talk about is the transformation that is possible in a community when one person is willing to open up their life to the Lord and what he has for them. What happens in a community when just one person is willing to open up their life? to take the Lord at his word. And so let's walk through this text, Luke 5, verses 1 through 3. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon Peter, and he asked him to put out a little from shore. And he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. You know, this is a a really neat moment in Jesus' life. That he's, he's by the lake, and it says that crowds of people had gathered around him. And I was just kind of thinking about, you know, the, the ways that crowds gather in our day. Crowds gather for a concert. You know, you buy tickets, or crowds gather for a sporting event. You go and you get tickets, and, and you find yourself there with lots of other people because you heard about this. But I was thinking about, man, how did this crowd form in Jesus' day? And it formed through word of mouth. That people were telling them, oh, he's, he's teaching, he's down by the lake. And so you just get the sense that people were doing whatever they were doing that day. We're doing school for the kids or working in the garden. And they hear something about Jesus. They drop what they're doing. They go to the lake where he is. And it says that a crowd formed. I love that it says that, that Jesus got in Peter's boat. And maybe this was kind of common in their day, but if you've ever kind of been around the boating community at a boat dock, man, it's it's cool if you stand on the dock and look at other people's boats, but it's not just cool to walk into a stranger's boat. Like maybe try it and see how it goes. AT knows he's done it before. Like he knows you don't you leave people's boats alone. And yet I love this about Jesus, that, that he's walking on the shore, he sees this boat that's not his own, and he gets into it. I love this, it's, it's actually really significant I think. This boat is owned by this man named Simon Peter and it says that, that, uh, that, that Jesus, man, he, he comes to Simon. That, that Jesus gets in, in Simon's space in a place where, where Simon Peter is comfortable. And did you notice what, what Jesus, the ask that he has for Simon Peter? He, he asked him just for a little. You know, he doesn't show up that day on the shore and look at Simon Peter and say, Simon, give me your boat. And he doesn't say, Simon, I want you to quit your job and to follow me. No, he, he just asked him. The very first ask to Simon Peter is a very small ask. And what does he say? Literally, what does it say? What's the first thing that Jesus asked him to do? Anybody? Come on, please, someone. What is, yeah, he says, push away from shore. Push away from shore, just a little from shore. And I think about that. It's, it's, a, it's a very small detail, but I think it's significant. It's a, it's a very inconsequential ask. Really what Jesus is asking him. It doesn't cost him hardly anything. Yeah, Simon's been working all night and so he's probably tired, but really there isn't much cost. And, and I'm not trying to, to make this the story of, man, this is how God works in every single person's life for all time because I actually don't believe that. Man, but, but, but I do think that God so often does this, that, that he shows up, he comes to us, he meets us where we are in places that we're comfortable. And, he, and, he, and the first ask of us is, is pretty small. Man, he, he shows up and it's, hey, maybe you should go to church. <laughs> you haven't been to church in a long time or you've never really gone to church. And some of you may not even recognize that, that voice, that stirring. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm here at church today. you and, haven't thought about it. Sometimes the, the ask of God is small. It's quiet. It's the, it's the, the inconsequential ask. It's, hey, maybe you should start spending some time reading just by yourself and praying. Opening up your heart to the Lord. It's, it's small. It's not, it's not super costly. It's not demanding. It's, it's, man, hey hey, reach out to that person that person who you look up to in the faith and and just tell them that you wanna spend some time with them. You see, so often God's initial ask in our life, it's small, it's simple, man. If, if, If you've ever been, like this happens a lot more up north, but on a frozen lake, you know, in the middle of winter, lakes will freeze over and, and, and at least in Kentucky, sometimes lakes will freeze over and the smart thing to do is not just to run out and jump on the ice. No, you go up to the water's edge and, and you kind of put a foot there to see if it's, it can hold you and you take a step. And, and I love what Jesus is doing here because he's just, he's taking a step. He's, he's looking for an open door in Simon Peter's heart. Like, hey, push out a little from shore. And then he puts the ball in, in his court and to see what he's gonna do with it. It's a small ask. The subtle voice keeps going to verse 4. When he'd finished speaking, when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water, let down the nets for a catch. Did you hear that? So the first ask was, Hey, just push out a little from shore. And then what does he say to him? Hey, put out into deep water, let down your nets. And I go, man, what, what Jesus is doing here is he's he's turning it up a little bit. He's increasing the ask. There's some real cost here to Simon Peter should he choose to, to obey Jesus. You know, the here, here are some of the costs. I mean, others' perception of him. I go, how many of us, we, we care so much about what other people think, about the, the, way, that, the, the way that we dress and the things that we say, and, 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 and we care so much. And I go, here's Simon. Jesus looks at me and says, hey, I want you to push you out into deep waters. And one of the real costs is wrestling with what other people are going to think. You know, the best time to fish in the Middle East 2,000 years ago, maybe still today, the best time to fish was at night. And all the other professional fishermen knew that. And so what would they think of Peter fishing in the middle of the day? He had to get past others' perception of him. There was a cost to it. There was, there was a cost in a real way to, to giving up sleep. You know, you've been working all night long. If you ever worked a night shift, um, if you're a nurse or, or anyone who works d- during the nights, you know, man, you get to like 7 a.m. and you just want to hit the bed. <laughs> And in order to obey Jesus, Jesus is asking him to push out into deep water, which, made, which means delayed sleeping. It's not that there's just a cost of sleep, man. It's a, it's a swallowing of, of his pride, of what Peter knew. Peter's a professional fisherman. He'd, he'd been fishing these waters his whole. He knew these waters. He'd been fishing for hours on hours, and there was nothing to be caught that night. In order to follow Jesus, he gonna have to swallow his pride. And then there's the inconvenience factor. Man, in order to follow Jesus, there, there's an inconvenience. He, it says that, that Jesus shows up, he's washing his nets. I've never washed fishing nets, honestly, never cared to do that in my life. But, but I imagine it's not an easy task. It's not a simple task. And, and so Peter's having to wrestle with, man, I just got these nets clean. If I obey him, they're gonna get dirty. I'm gonna have to wash them again. And I just want us to, to see this because we can read through this story, but I want us to see that, that Jesus, that there's some real cost to following him. You see, he comes and the initial ask is really small. It's really inconsequential, but, but he increases it. You know, and this is the way that the Lord works in our lives. That the ask, big or small, it's, it's different for us all. Man, but, 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 but it's all for the same purpose, the same outcome. Man, that Jesus comes to us and what he's looking in for you and what he's looking for me is people who are willing to trust him, to listen to him. He, he's just looking for people who, who, will, who will do what he's asking him to do. I know there's this kid that I'm I'm walking with right now. He's a teenager in our city, and he has a really rough just life, his rough home life. It's just life, it's just tough. He and I were hanging out several weeks ago and he started to tell me, you know, he, he got a job this, this past year and, and, and he's been working this job, working really hard and making pretty good money for a kid his age. And, and so we're starting to talk and, and, and I'm like, man, so, you know, how much money have you saved? And he's like, oh, I haven't saved any money. I'm like, you tell me you've been working for six months. You haven't saved a penny? He's like, yeah, I've just been, you know, helping out people around me and just, you know, just like all of us did as Tina. You just spend money. You don't have any concept. And so I'm like, well, do you have a checking account? He's like, no, I don't know how to set up a checking account. Never done that before. And I'm like, all right, next time you get a paycheck, you call me. And we're going to go down. We're going to set up a checking account. I'm going to teach you how to manage your money. I'm going to, like, help you walk through this. And so he and I are talking. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'd love to do it. And you know what? He he hasn't called me. and isn't that that's so true like from my perspective i'll go man if he will just listen i know that i can help him and jesus just looks at us and he goes man if if, if tim you would just only listen to me i will help you Man, if we would only just listen to him he, he would help us and yet for some reason we just have this tendency not to, to listen and i love what, what what we see in peter here Verse five, he says, master, we worked hard all night. We haven't caught anything. Because you say so, I'll let down the nets. You know, despite the unproductive experience he just had, despite the, the expertise that he had, despite the exhaustion, man, I love this, that Simon Peter obeyed. He had every reason not to. Verse six, and when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. So were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. I go, I don't want us to miss this miracle. the mysterious supernatural power of the God that we serve, who, who did things like this, who still does things like this. And I go, when, when we remove this, this belief, this faith in a God that can do unthinkable, incomprehensible things like this, we're actually not believing in the full God who reveals himself who he is, that, that for us to not miss the miracle... That they, they filled so many, they caught so many fish that they literally filled two boats full of, of fish. I go, think about how many fish that would be. Like, any of you guys fishermen? Any of you girls fishermen? Raise your hand if you're a fisherman. Any of you? Jones, you're a fisherman. No fishermen in this room? Literally? No one fishes? Have you ever fished before? AT? Okay. You know, that's a terrible example. But it's like, you, you think about like how long it would take I'm a terrible fisherman. It would take me months to catch that many fish. And in a moment, the boat fills up. And I love what happens in that moment, what Peter says and does. You know, his his response isn't, you know, his boat's sinking. This is the best business day he's ever had in the history of his life. And his response isn't to look at Jesus and to be like, Jesus, thank you so much. (laughs) that was incredible, thank you for this gift. You know, you think about this, like that this is a, is a, is a wealth changing moment for Peter. Like you catch this many fish and you go to market, you know, if you ever watch those shows like Deep Sea Fisher or whatever, where, where they you know go hunt king crab and they come in, they get hundreds of thousands of dollars for it. You think about the, the day that Peter had where he goes to the market and how much money he's gonna receive in this moment. Not just wealth, you think about his, his reputation. Man, for someone to catch this many fish, you know that, that, that word is just going to spread like wildfire. Did you hear about Feeder's Fishing Day? <laughs> we know the names of successful people. We know Elon Musk. You know people who, who, who are great at their job. And, and you know that Peter, this was, this was on the line for him, for his reputation to spread, for people to hear about the great things that he's doing. And I love his response. He doesn't say thank you. He doesn't say that was incredible. He doesn't say wow. He says, Lord, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. You know, he he's having a a God moment. He he recognized in this moment that, that Jesus wasn't just this, you know, engaging, charismatic speaker that could draw a crowd. No, he recognized that the presence of God was there. That, that what was happening was, was, was a, a God moment. In verse 5, when Jesus is first interacting with Peter, Peter calls him master. And in verse 8, you know, master is just kind of this way of saying sir, it's being polite, it's kind of showing respect. And then in verse 8, he doesn't call him master, he calls him Lord. Peter has this God moment. You know, if you ever had one of those, those moments, where you've kind of been casually following Jesus, kind of one foot in, one foot out, or, or maybe you're not even a father of Jesus, and God shows up in your life and does something. I'm not talking about just a, a feeling. I'm talking about when, when the presence of God descends in your life and you understand things on a completely different level than you ever have before. The world slows down a moment where you recognize how involved and how near and how concerning God is, how, how much God sees you and loves you. And if you ever had one of these in moments in, in your life where, where you realize that God is not just a system of beliefs, but that God is a living, almighty, sovereign person who sees you, man, it puts you in your place. When, when, when you realize that, that there is a God, it, it changes you. you. You go from calling him, him, sir. It, it goes from being this kind of like polite, you know, like I'll keep you on the side of my life to, to literally falling on your knees and being like, God, like you're Lord. And Peter has one of these, these moments. You think about those moments in your life. I've had several of these moments through, throughout my life of, of when God just shows up and, and, and does something. And it changes you. And I love Peter's response, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. But listen to Jesus' response, it's so much more beautiful. Second part of verse 10, Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now you'll fish for people. Don't be afraid. You know, when when we experience the, the bigness and the holiness of God, it's absolutely terrifying. Um, And it's terrifying because of how we actually live our lives. (laughs) Man, our our sin, the the hidden things in our minds and in our heart that no one else sees, but but you realize that God sees it. And if you've ever had one of those moments, you go, oh my goodness, Lord. And I love that because Peter has one of these moments where he realizes who he is. And Jesus doesn't come to him. And say, you know what, Peter, you're, you're right. You're a terrible person. And I've seen everything that you've thought and everything that you've done. I've seen it all. And you know what? I'm throwing you into the water. I'm done with you. Now he comes to him and says, don't be afraid. Because our tendency is, is to be afraid of an almighty God that we can't see who sees us. The the message of Jesus himself is in this story that that he didn't come to punish us or to to condemn us, as John 3, verse 17 says, I didn't come to the world to condemn the world. He didn't come to destroy us. He didn't come even to listen to this. He didn't come to expose you. No, he came to help you. uh, To transform your heart your mind, your life. He came to save you. He came to, to, to give you a, a, a God-purposed, God-purpose-filled life. A, a life that's, that's more than just about money and career and vacations and things, a, a life filled with purpose. He came to, to work through you to help other people, to help change other people, to help bring other people into saving relationship with Jesus. See, I love that this moment, it, it changed Simon Peter, but, but it also changed his community as well. It says that Peter, James, and John, and, or Peter and, and his brother Andrew and their partners, James and John, man, that, that, that they pulled their boats up on shore and they left and they followed him. And I love this because this was their community. This was their bros, man, that, 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 that their commonality and their conversation was about fishing and it was about work. And Christ shows up in, 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 the, in the picture and he changes everything. And no longer is there, that their commonality and their conversation around work and fishing. It's about Jesus that they went from, from fishing in boats on the water to seeing Jesus walk on the water, to seeing Jesus calm the storms on the water. They saw miracles upon miracles flow through Jesus' life that, that literally instantly changed people's lives. They saw mercy that came through Jesus' life and his ministry to people who were down and shunned and felt like God had no place for them. And they saw what the mercy of God did to people when it came into their hearts, and the trajectory of, of Simon Peter and Andrew and James John, their community was forever changed. Why? Because of one person's willingness to take Jesus seriously. And even this week, you know, I found myself going, man, what would happen if, if just one person from our community? Or what would happen if, if I was like Simon Peter and I really just took seriously everything God said and did it? And I think that's actually a good desire but if we're not careful, what will happen is that, is that we will make ourselves the hero, the catalyst, the linchpin. You see, I think primarily, first and foremost, this story is supposed to remind us that one has already gone before us in this way. That there has been one that has, has come and has opened up blessing upon blessing upon blessing upon blessing to the multitudes to the community that, that in Jesus, the Father sent the Son into the world. open the door so that we could step in a relationship with him. Jesus in John 17 at the end of his ministry said, Father, I have done everything you asked me to do. You see, the father asked Jesus to come to earth and and the son came. And the father asked him to, 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 to lay down his life and to die on the cross. And you see Jesus wrestling this out with the father in Matthew 26 in the garden of Gethsemane. Jesus knows. He knows the pain. He knows what lies ahead. He, he's, he's, he's experienced. He knows the things that, that, that await him. But he says, because you said so, because you say so, I will. And Jesus died on the cross for our sins. But not just our sins, for the sins of the whole world, for the sins of the, of the Hindu men and women in, in, in India your next door neighbors who are confused and, 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 and their hearts are, are cold and heart to the Lord, that he came to die for the sins of the world. He came to be our substitute, that he came to take our place, that he experienced the wrath of God for our sin and our rebellion. Hebrews chapter two fifteen says that he came so that he could free us who were held in slavery all of our life by the fear of death. Sisters, brothers, man, when we take this to heart, man, when we really think about what Christ has done for us on the cross, man, we go the same way, The same thing that Peter said. Go away from me, Lord. I don't deserve it. You know, when we realize that the sinless Son of God died for us, like died for our sin and our rebellion, None of us go, yeah, I deserve that. Like, I deserve for God to die for me. I'm pretty awesome. No, we go, man, we've sinned so much. And we've run so far and we've rebelled so much. I mean, I was even wrestling with this like in my life where I go, man, there are so many things in my life where I don't even consult the Lord about because I just want to do my own thing. And the Lord was going, Brandon, you're you're still in control. You're still the Lord of your own life. You make the decisions. You do what you want. And and I was convicted of this going, go away from me, Lord. I'm a a sinful man. We slander people. We gossip. We're hypocritical. We lie. We lust. We cheat. We are sinful people. Go away from us, Lord. You don't owe us anything. We are not entitled to your presence. We are not entitled to your forgiveness. We are not entitled to your death. And he comes to us. He says, don't be afraid. But you got to come to me. Come, come and know my heart. Don't just go through the motions. Don't be in, caught up in religion. Know my heart. Because when you know my heart, you'll, you'll never want to run away from me. When you understand that, that my heart is to help you, and to change you and to fill you. You're, you're not going to want to be the Lord of your life. You're not going to try to earn your salvation. When you, when you come to my heart. When you, when you come close to me. When, 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 you, when you open up the heart up, up, up to me. When you let me come in. You understand how good I am. And that, that my desire is to, is to work through you. To represent me. You know, my friend, when I was in high school, I remember my freshman year at high school, I'm almost done, um, we were at football camp, and I remember my, one of my best friends, he gets a call, and he told me that his parents um, were getting divorced. And I remember we were sitting there in, um, in the storm room up in Georgetown, Kentucky, and, you know, he, my friend's a follower of Jesus. I was a follower of Jesus, and, man, I, I loved this family. Like, they were, like, not my second parents, but we were super close to them, and We're just weeping there, just weeping, thinking about the the pain and the sadness. My friend's mom had gotten into a relationship. She left. Dad left the family for many, many years, just, just going, doing her own thing, doing what she wanted, not even caring about the hurt that it was causing on the kids and the husband, just running, just running, just doing what she wanted, living for herself, just ignoring the Lord closing her ears to the Lord, doing what she wanted, chasing the life that she, that she wanted. And I remember probably 10 years ago. Um, no, actually it was, it was 2011. It was January 2011. I get a call and uh, that my friend's mom and my friend's dad had gotten remarried. <laughs> And I remember just sitting at the cannery that night, just weeping, just, just thinking about, man, the steadfastness of my friend's dad, who would go, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, I want you. No matter the hurt that you've caused me and the kids, like we're in this and I'm here for you. And we're going to work through this. And, 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 and he didn't just take her back, but they, they got remarried. They had a ceremony in front of their kids. It was this moment of, of welcoming back. And I just want you to know, no matter what you've done, no matter how far you've, you've run, no matter how far you've gone, the father says, come home. Don't be afraid. And the enemy will tell you everything. I try to convince you you've done too much, you've gone too far, and it's just garbage. Christ came and he died for all of your sin. All of it every bit of it, all the rebellion, all the thoughts, all the sinfulness. He came to cover it, not to expose it. He's inviting you to come back. Come back to his heart. If you've never been to his heart, give your life to him. He says, when you you give your life to him, when you get baptized, I, I give you my heart. Your new creation, all of your sins are forgiven. I give you my spirit that helps you. That I'm with you. If if you need to give your life to Jesus, give your life to Jesus, give your heart to Him. For those of us who are here this morning, and maybe you've been you've been withholding your heart because you're scared. Give Him your heart. Literally, just tell Him, God, I've been holding back. I've been holding back for You, and I'm sorry. Here's my heart. God, I want You. I want the real You. I don't want to play the game. I don't want religion. I want You. I want to know you. I don't just want to know you. I want to obey you. I just want to obey you. I want to enjoy you. I was talking to Courtney and I. We had a friend over on Tuesday night, and she was telling us. She said, it is is so much fun to walk with God. And I go, how many of us actually believe that? Is it a burden? Is it a chore? Or my friend has discovered something in God that goes, you know what? There's no better way to live this life than with God. So here's what we're going to do. I want to invite you to listen to little Taylor Swift. (laughs) I want to invite you just to close your eyes. I want to just pray for us, God, Holy Spirit. Just fall right now. Will you just fall? God would you soften hard hearts God would you soften apathetic hearts God would you help us to to love you to follow you God would you forgive us of our sins God would you meet us in this moment God, would you help us right now to, to believe in you deep in our heart that, that you really did die for our sins, Jesus, and not that you just died, but you're alive, and you're going to return for us. Help us to believe and to look forward to that. God, for those who, who following you has been a, a burden, God, would you remove that burden and help us to see the blessing and the joy that it is. Father, would you, would you speak to us? Would you help us to hear your voice? God, as we, as we open the, the scriptures by ourselves, as we pray to you in our cars on the way to work, God, would you hear us? Would you help us to really trust? And not just to trust, God, would you just give us evidence that you hear us, that you're with us? So, Lord, would you meet us right now? Would you meet us in this place? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.